You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Welcome to the offseason. It's never a point that any NFL fan base wants to get to, but hey, you know what? 31 teams do uh, sooner rather uh, sooner than they would hope. So um, hope you listen to our playoff recap from the other week. Uh, Joe and Mike did a great job breaking things down. Um, if you really want to get my take on it, I gave a good five-minute quick rapid reaction uh, online at fox59.com or cbs4indy.com. And I felt really good, guys, because um, because I, I pointed to a lot of execution issues. I know a lot of fans, especially on Twitter, were complaining about play calls and all that. I thought there were some execution things here and there with drop passes, with dumb penalties, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what Chris Ballard harped on in his postseason press conference, too. So I felt good that Chris uh, looked and saw some of the same things that I did. But uh, if, if case uh, any of you want to go online, and I'll, I'll toot my own horn there for a second, toot, toot. It doesn't happen all the time. So uh, when I get the opportunity that Chris Ballard agrees with me, I certainly will. Um, but we don't have to dive into that too much. We've already had it once, but now we look toward the offseason in a very eventful week and a half that we've had since our last podcast. We'll discuss Philip Rivers' retirement, potential quarterback options for the Colts looking into the future in 2021. Uh, our own Mike Chappell gave Hall of Fame presentations in front of the committee for Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne just earlier this week. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get exactly uh, what Mike had to say. But first, we start with the news around the league. And we will get through this quickly because there's a whole lot of cold stuff to talk about today. Um, the NFL.com's Ian Rappaport reported that char- the Chargers will interview Colts defensive backs coach Jonathan Gannon for their defensive coordinator job. And, uh, and Mike, this happens when you have a successful program, as a lot of coaches like to say. They, they kind of use the college term, the program, in the NFL as well. That uh, if, if you have success, other people will want to uh, want to have that success themselves. So when you have a good season, like the Colts have had with 11 wins, uh, you're going to get some uh, people trying to come in and poach your your staff for uh, better jobs elsewhere. Yeah, your staff and, and your players sometimes. Sometimes your free agents who are going to hit the market would much rather go out and see what they can uh, maximize their value. But yeah, th- th- this is the uh, the downside, I guess you'd say, organizationally of having a good staff is people want your people, you know, it, with, with, you know, Ed Dodds has been, has been, his name's been bandies about and, and Nick Seriani. So uh, Matt Eberfrost said, and that's potentially bad for the Colts, but that, that if you, if you're Frank Wright and Chris Ballard, that's what you want. You sort of want your staff to be, you, you want to be the springboard for these guys to do something else. And then, then you have to go about the pet task of replacing them if they move on. Uh, head coaching carousel hit the AFC South as former Florida and Ohio State coach Urban Meyer is now the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. The franchise also promoted director of player personnel Trent Baalke to uh, to gen- the general manager role. Uh, so that that that's a unique situation, Joe. I know Shad Khan, uh, the owner of the franchise, has has more irons in the fire personally, so to speak, than many other owners do across the league. He likes to be more involved. But the fact that he got Urban Meyer there in particular as head coach uh, just tells me that maybe not that he's stepping back, per se, but that Meyer is going to be kind of the, the main guy there uh, and probably going to do a lot um, to, uh, to be kind of in charge in as many ways as possible. Yeah, I read a report from USA Today that said 
Khan says they're switching to a coach-centric model and that Meyer's going to have a lot of influence over the team. Uh, both him and Balk will kind of work together in tandem when making uh, roster decisions, but there's kind of the feeling out there that Meyer's going to have final say when it comes to personnel, and that's a big reason why he took the job. Um, guys, I have to tell you right now, there's a tweet from Adam Schefter that just came out. Um, that the Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, are hiring Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their head coach. Sirianni, of course, has spent the last three seasons, uh, last five, uh, hang on, last three seasons with the Colts. Before that, he was with the Chargers, where he got to work with head coach Frank Reich originally. Uh, he also worked with the Chiefs as well. He's a 39-year-old head coach now of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni. So as we are talking about coaching carousel and other teams wanting uh, to, to kind of maybe steal off your success. Uh, Mike, obviously, it was just a short time ago that Frank Reich was, uh, the, Frank Reich was the, um, the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He comes here to Indy. One of his quote-unquote protégés, uh, Nick Sirianni, is now going to go back to Philadelphia and be the head coach and uh, try to figure things out there uh, in the uh, land of brotherly love. Great for Nick. I mean, he, he he's always been great for us to work with, which is far down the list of, of why a guy should get a job. But I think they see what he's done uh, here in Indy with developing players. Offensive players have gotten better. Uh, and here's going to be a chance for him to really spread out and, and run the entire organization from a football standpoint. So kudos to him. And we'll see if he uh, reaches down and takes any uh, coaches' assistance with him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, if he has his eye perhaps even on Marcus Brady, the quarterback coach here in uh, in in Indy, to perhaps come and and take maybe an offensive coordinator job with him. Um, that that's just me spitballing right now, but but you got to think that the Colts staff is not going to remain completely intact if their offensive coordinator goes elsewhere, as Sirianni is here for a head coaching job. Well, and that also opens up the Colts' offensive coordinator job as well. Yep. So who are the Colts going to promote from within, and who's going to go leave with Sirianni? A um, lot up in the air. I know Frank Wright was always the one who called the plays. I don't believe Sirianni has been a play caller in his coaching career. So as far as play calling, that's not going to change, but definitely a loss for the Colts. Nick Sirianni did a lot of good in that offense. For sure. And a lot of people point out the fact that Frank, um, like Frank's the play caller and they'll say, oh, what does Sirianni do? But that, that's, that's, first of all, that, that's stupid. Let's just throw that out there. Uh, Sirianni has a big role every week, week after week, in determining the, um, um, just the, the, the strategy for the game, um, the, the uh, beginning uh, call sheet for uh, what they want to do right out of the bat. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot that offensive coordinator does besides just call plays to try to pigeonhole someone just into that um, point is would be ridiculous. It's like, um, it's like in Kansas city where Andy Reed is, um, is a play caller and Eric B is the offensive coordinator. And is a guy that's been on some head coaching uh, possible uh, radars that even though he hasn't had a job the past couple of years, maybe partially because the chiefs keep going so long into the postseason that teams want to move on and get somebody quickly and start getting to work. But anyway, that, that's, that's just me going down a slightly different rabbit hole. But, uh, but yeah, as we speak here, guys, the, uh, the Colts offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, is now going to be the head coach of Philadelphia. Sources tell Adam Schefter with ESPN. Um, so the, the Colts will be looking for a new offensive coordinator. Add that to another of the, the long list of holes 
that the uh, the Colts are going to have to fill this offseason. It's becoming like every year is a significant offseason. Um, and I'll fire down just these last couple of tidbits. The Falcons have hired former uh, Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith as their head coach. The Chargers have hired former Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. Um, the Lions fired former Saints assistant head coach, tight ends coach Matt Campbell, who was a, uh, what's it called? He was an interim head coach for, for a minute in the NFL. There's only one head coach opening left, and that's the uh, Texans, who have interviewed Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus, by the way. Uh, originally turned down the interview, but he did come back and uh, come back to it and did get the interview. Um, let's see. The Lions have hired a former Rams college scouting director uh, as their general manager. And Detroit had also interviewed Ed Dodds. Mike, you brought up his name earlier, but so it looks like Dodds could remain a Colt. But 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 that brings me back to my point that um, now now that I blew through that that um, th there are so many holes that the Colts have to fill this offseason. A all the free agents they have. There, it is a significant free agent list that has a lot of starters who are going to be either looking elsewhere or looking to be resigned. It's a now an offensive coordinator with Sirianni. There's probably going to be coaches underneath him who leave with Nick for the job in Philadelphia. Um, there's going to be a quarterback that needs to replace. There's a left tackle that, that needs to be replaced to guys who are retiring from the NFL, both of those two. So, uh, so, so Mike, this, this offseason is shaping up to be a significant one for Chris Ballard. It's always a significant offseason, and especially if you're looking for a quarterback. But uh, th th this year will, once again, it seems like, Mike, just shape the Colts franchise moving forward. Well, we knew it was going to be significant from the get-go when you just looked. Let's just go back to when the season ended and you had, you know, eight or nine starters from the Buffalo game were going to be free agents. And now each week, almost each day, it's becoming more uh, uh, complex or complicated with Costanzo retires and then Philip Rivers retires. And now you've got Nick Sirianni. And again, you would think he would try to take some of his own people with him. Now, and I, I'm not as up on the rules as I should be or how it might go, but I believe a team can, can block a coach from taking a lateral position. Now, Marcus Brady going as a, as a coordinator wouldn't be a lateral position, but let's say he couldn't take, you know, Tom Rathman as his running backs coach. Right. Uh, I, I think the, the Colts could block that unless they would make, you know, and teams have done to where we can make him an assistant head coach. But we'll see. But no, there's no question that all of a sudden you've got two or three, four or five significant decisions to make. Left tackle, quarterback, offensive coordinator. What and and one thing that that I don't know for who the first one that told me was probably Tony Dungy, but or Bill Pullen. He says you've always got a tablet in your drawer of names because you never. I'm talking coaching names because you never know when you might have to dip into it and get a a head coach if you fire someone or a coordinator. So they, they, they've got, you know, options in their head before this ever came up. But uh, now you have to go to that tablet and say, what do you think? And, and, and you've got a lot of coaches right now trying to set, trying to name their staff. So it's going to be, can you get your guys as quick as you can? You know what could crazily happen right now? Since the Eagles hired Sirianni and they fired Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson comes here. Exactly. Former head coach over Frank Reich, offensive coordinator, Super Bowl champions in Philly, could come to the Colts, be the offensive coordinator for head coach Frank Reich in Indy. I'm just I'm throwing that out there. That, that That's not out of the realm of possibility, especially with only one head coach position left. If Doug Peterson wants to keep working, um, then that's I, I, 
I, I find it hard to believe that Frank would not be interested in that. I really do. Uh, Joe, I know that like that, that would be, it would be a weird dynamic to have a guy who used to be your head coach as your offensive coordinator that Frank is now in charge. But I, I, I can't rule out the possibility that, uh, that, that Frank would, uh, would just immediately shut that down. I think that's something that he would have some interest in. And Frank Wright seems like the kind of guy who's, he's not going to get caught up in power struggles and things of that nature. He's a great leader. Everyone knows who the leader of this team is. I don't think there's any threat to bringing in Doug Peterson um, from Frank Wright's point of view. So I think that would be a great option if it works out and the Colts decide that's what they want to do. Don't you at least make a phone call? I think you have to. I mean, at least say, hey, Doug, what are you doing now? What do you think? And, 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 you know, again, maybe Frank's got his short list of, and, and of course, Peterson's only been unemployed for what? A week? Yeah. I mean, so, so I think you at least pick up the phone and see, you know, and check out your options and because that's what you do. And, and the only, the only urgency to getting that, to replacing Nick as quick as you can is, is to make sure that the guy you want doesn't go somewhere else. Cause it's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, NFL staffs being formed right now. Uh, and yet to be formed, there's still what one, there's still one opening. Is that correct? Uh, I think you mentioned one. The Texans. Go to open it. Right. Houston. So, uh, you know, uh, it, but, but they, they know what their plan B was going to be, uh, like with quarterback and left tackle. But now you have to put that into, into, uh, action at, at, as your offensive coordinator. So who's the offensive coordinator's quarterback going to be too? That's going to be a significant question. And heck, I mean, geez, if they hire Doug Peterson, you can pretty much throw out the window the option of Carson Wentz coming to Indy. Uh, that that would, I don't think that would go over so well. Um, so so anyway, that that's looking way down the road. But anyway, that's that's a road that kind of we're we're leaning toward this uh, this Colts Blue Zone podcast as Philip Rivers retires after 17 NFL seasons. So the Colts will have a new starting quarterback for the 2021 year. Something that I think, Mike, I saw that you tweet out earlier. It was um, the last starting quarterbacks. I mean, last year in 2020 was Phillip Rivers. Before that, the starting quarterback week one was uh, was Jacoby Brissett. Before that, the starting quarterback week one was Andrew Luck. Um, before that, starting quarterback week one was Scott Tolzien. So unless Jacoby Brissett starts week one next year, which is not out of the question, I actually got an email from some odds maker in my uh, inbox putting Jacoby Brissett as kind of the, the betting favorite right now to take that first snap for the Colts week one in 2020. But it's that is certainly far from a, a done deal. It's not not any deal. Um, he's not even under contract after, anymore after this year. But it, it's very possible, Mike, that the Colts could see a fifth different starting quarterback in five years. And that that's it, it's a crazy thing that you hear, especially after like the I, I hate to go back to this well, but just what. The, uh, the start of Andrew Luck's career looked like you never thought you were going to be in this type of position at this part in your franchise. But but typically teams that have like five or six different starting quarterbacks in consecutive years are perennial bottom feeders. The Colts have been to the playoffs too the last three years. So it, it's a very different situation than you might see with um, some of the same kind of intangibles around the outside. Well, and this is a franchise that went for was it 13 years with Peyton Manning starting? That too. Before, before the neck issues. So for, you know, Peyton for 13 years and then the down year, then six years or whatever it was with luck. And now you're having to see how the other half lives. And uh, you, you can, you know, we saw how hard it is for this team to play when you had to change your left tackle. Mm-hmm. 
So, so, and you didn't have DeForest Buckner for that game. When you're shuffling a quarterback uh, year after year, we, we, you know, we knew Philip Rivers was, was a short-term fix. Uh, and I, I, I had him as my leader in the clubhouse as, as the starter for 2021, only because I didn't know what plan B was. And we still don't. So, uh, uh, again, now they can't say, well, you know, worst case, we'll bring Philip back. And if we have to, we can address our quarterback of the future next year. Well, no, now you really have to do it all now. Rivers played 16 years in the NFL with the Chargers, both in San Diego and Los Angeles, was drafted fourth overall way back in 2004 by the New York football giants, and then traded to the Chargers as part of that Eli Manning deal. Um, He ends his career with some very remarkable stats. Let's put it that way. Fifth all-time in completed passes, fifth all-time in passing yards, fifth all-time in touchdowns. Um, I mean, when you're... Joe, when you're in the same class as guys like Manning, Brady, Breeze, and Favre, and those are the guys who are in front of you, that puts you up among the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. There's still some debate, I think, among some circles, whether Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer purely because of his postseason success or lack thereof. But when it comes to what he did in the regular season, certainly for the past 16, 17 years, uh, he he was one of the best quarterbacks of his era. Absolutely. And I mean, regular season stats alone, he probably deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe not first ballot because he doesn't have the Super Bowl ring around his finger. But I mean, you just listed all the names that are around him in his rankings as far as statistical accomplishments. Uh, He's an Ironman 200 and whatever straight games played without uh, missing one. So I think Philip Rivers... uh, more overlooked than most Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but in my opinion, he deserves to get in. And Mike, when you when you look at Rivers, because you're the one on on this podcast who is a Hall of Fame voter yourself, um, I, I don't I would not say that he stacks up with the likes, obviously, of Brady and Manning, who he kind of had the misfortune, we shall say, of playing in the same era as them, and so therefore you're playing two of the greatest of all time, not just Hall of Famers, but the greatest of the Hall of Famers of all time, two of the greatest. Like you, you can't. I think you measure him by his success, not just against those two, but obviously just his, his success, uh, success elsewhere. And though, like Joe said, maybe not a first ball at Hall of Famer, I would think he gets in eventually. But you might have more more of an idea than than either of us would. Yeah, it's it's. We were again when we we can talk more about it a little bit later on. But during our discussion on Tuesday, someone mentioned that. You know, when it comes down to, to breaking ties with people that you're discussing, championships matter because that's why you play the game. Uh, but it shouldn't, you know, eliminate you from the discussion or the Hall of Fame. It, it, just from just a quick glance, what I compare Philip Rivers to is Dan Fouts, which is kind of crazy because they were both Chargers, hmm. longtime Chargers coaches. And Fouts never got there either. Uh, Warren Moon. You know, you can be Dan Marino got there one time and never went back. So, uh, yeah, do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes, his, his numbers say he is. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? No, I, th- I think the lack of no Super Bowls and certainly no world championships, I think that to me, the, depending on who, who else is in the class you're in there with in five years. Uh, although he could be, he could be in there with what Drew Brees. Yeah, I was going to say Drew Brees retiring Larry, this year. Hmm. Larry Fitzgerald, so he he could be in a pretty a pretty uh, 
you know, decorated group. But I think he's a Hall of Famer. And again, I've always thought that it, it, it'll come out wrong. But to me, Dan Fouts is, is is the floor. He, as long as you match up with what Dan Fouts did, and he, and, and he had some great great seasons, but never had the playoff success. But yeah, I, I think he he, he uh, checks off all but the one box. And if you want to hold that against him, then that's your right. But uh, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. And Mike did put out a poll on Twitter for your uh, for your illustrious Twitter followers. You can follow Mike Chapel at mchapel fifty one. Eighty two percent of the voters in that poll said that yes, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. So we got eighty two percent of the vote on our side. Not that fan vote matters a whole lot uh, there, if at all. Uh, but eighteen percent said no. It seems like the vast majority of people right now uh, count Philip Rivers as a future Hall of Famer. Um, but and yeah, as, as a quick as a as, as a quick aside to that, to, to to make the Hall of Fame to be the final five, you have to get eighty percent of the vote, eighty percent of the forty-eight selectors. So that's in line with what it would take. And you know, you, you go you you run the gamut from Peyton Manning, who is you know was a no doubter, hmm. to people like Philip Rivers, where you where you take time and you discuss. And again, well, I'll go back to say a lot of it depends on who else is is on that final list of 15 that you have to consider. So, but yeah, he'll get in, uh, he, you know, we could have the same, we could have the same discussion, you know, and, and because they're tied together. Philip, who had the better career, Philip Rivers or Eli Manning? Uh, I, I, yeah, Manning, because he's got two world championships, but you know, if you, if you exclude those, which is crazy to even say, Philip Rivers had the better career, but those two world championships just are so glaring. Right. Uh, in, in your favor that, that you know, Eli gets in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that brings us back to the Colts and their future quarterback. They have some options this offseason, which we've touched on. Um, be- be- before we do that, I w- we will make a note here, and, and Joe made this note in the rundown, something that I retweeted yesterday, was that Phillip Rivers' 4,169 passing yards this season is the second most in the NFL, his, in NFL history in a player's final season. Only one player has, oh, here we go. has thrown for more yards in his final season than Philip Rivers. Pull, and that, pull the bandage off. That, of course, was Andrew Luck with 4,993. 4,593, excuse me. So I'm sorry to bring uh, horrible stats to, the, to Colts Nation, but it was, it, was too, it was too painful to ignore that within the past five <laughs> years, the uh, – Yes, tears streaming down the face of, of, of Colts fans everywhere with, uh, with Luck and with Rivers. But anyway, with Rivers retired and Jacoby Brissett set to become a free agent, um, fourth-round pick Jacob Eason is the only Colts quarterback under contract for 2021. And, Joe, when Chris Ballard said this uh, in his final wrap-up-the-year press conference that he, was, he, was, he would not be comfortable right now with... Eason being QB two, basically, like that—that's got to tell you something about what the Colts think about the, Col- the quarterback they have on their roster now. If if Ballard wasn't comfortable about him being your backup for sure going into this offseason, there is a slim to none chance. In spite of how Colts fans might think, I'll I'll, I'll preface that with stupid Colts fans might think you should do this offseason. Jacob Eason is not going to be your QB one going into uh, into the fall. No, and, and 
They drafted no. him as a fourth round pro- project. He was he was right. a player with a strong arm who could make great throws. Highly touted going into college, uh, transferred away from Georgia. There's a lot to work with with Eason, but he's not ready yet, as Ballard said, to even be the backup. Maybe he can earn that position in training camp in the summer. Um, but as of right now, I can't blame Ballard for not having a lot of trust in Eason because he wasn't even active on the Colts roster for most of their games this season. Yeah, Mike, so so often in the NFL when there is a quote-unquote quarterback controversy, with Col- which Colts fans have been fortunate enough not to have for the vast majority of the past two or three decades, like the, the most popular guy in the world is the backup quarterback. He always is. And so now that the Colts backup quarterback kind of quote-unquote backup, Jacob Eason is kind of number one on the depth chart at the time being, so to speak. He becomes the most popular guy in town. People are like, yeah, go throw him out, see what happens. Let, let, let's check out the dude, but... Uh, once again, as Chris Ballard said in his wrap-up press conference, like if, if he, he he kind of alluded to it as, as is, if he drafts a guy in the first round and he's terrible, then Ballard's the first one out the door. Well, if Ballard's the one pushing for Easton to play right now and he's terrible, then that would, of course, go poorly for, for Ballard, for Frank Reich, for the offensive staff there. So as much as Colts fans want to see what Easton can do, the coaching staff in the front office have no desire to do that. They want to take their time as much as possible, right? Well, yeah, you referred to it. I mean, he's number one right now because he's the only one under contract. Out of default, yeah. Right, 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 right now, he's sort of beaten out what Zach Pascal. <laughs> so uh, you know, or, or or Trey Burton. Of course, both those guys are free agents. But yeah, th- this will shake out. But I go back to when they when they drafted Eason in, in, in the first place, and and we was, everybody was saying, "Well, back up this, that, and the other." You see a lot of him, and, and Ballard's the one that said, "Wait a minute, people." He shouldn't be viewed as was it the savior or the messiah uh, for this team. And, and keep in mind, they took him in the fourth round. The fourth round. If they thought he, if they thought that highly of him, you take him in the second round. You take him in the third round. Uh, you know, th- this isn't Tom Brady. Wait until the sixth round and see what you got. Uh, and, and when he comes out, like you said, and says, "I'm not comfortable saying that," that he'll be the backup. And the, the, there's a lot of negatives, and I'm just talking simply football. There's a lot of negatives from the COVID pandemic and from player progress standpoint, no one took a bigger hit because of that than Jacob Eason. No mini camps, no tra- no offseason workouts, no training camp to, to speak of. I mean, it was reduced. And no preseason games. So, you know, when he says, I think his telling stat- or comment was, you know, I need to see him play. So, I mean, what does that tell you? So, it's going to be it's going to be hard enough. Let, let's say they let's say they find a way to finagle into the top. And I don't know how high. Joe have a better idea how high you've got to go to get one of the top four. I saw a mock draft that I I kind of trust, and it's got four quarterbacks going in the top eight. Oof. Going from twenty one to eight, I tell you, it's it's going to take a bunch. And to get to eight, you're going to get the fourth quarterback if you go by that projection. Uh, and if you take that guy, you're going to hand over the reins to him in September. I, a team that's really ready to win now. So that that's where I let, – let's say just hypothetically, they, let, let's say they, they find a first-round quarterback, whomever it's going to be, I don't know. But does it make sense then to bring Jacoby Brissett back to be – the bridge, temporary bridge to that rookie quarterback? If so, what are you going to pay him? You're not going to pay him Philip Rivers $25 million. And 
to help the Colts, I think, to a degree. What's the market for what's the market for Jacoby Brissett? It's it, it it's not much. You know, are, are there teams saying, "Boy, wait till March, and, and when Jacoby's out there, we're going to let you know snatch, snatch him up." So, it, it, if you decide to bring Brissett back, at what cost? At what value do you put on him if you're going to turn it over, hopefully to the rookie, like in at midseason? So, they've got a they've got a lot of decisions to make, and and you know, boxes to check before we get to September. Yeah, I I, I for one, I've been thinking that. For for a little while now, that Jacoby is probably going to end up in in New England uh, this fall. That that's just how I feel because he used to be there. He seems to be a Belichick guy in in, in many ways, uh, for better or for worse. And and he's a free agent now. And I re- why that also was because I thought the Colts were going to re-sign Philip Rivers and then try to draft somebody else and see like between Eason and whoever it would be that who's going to be your quarterback of the future kind of there, but, but that's not going to happen. So anyway, um, if they bring back Jacoby Brissett, Joe, I, 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 I don't see that as an aggressive move this off season. It is a quote unquote safe move, but it also sets a ceiling for your team. Like there's a reason the Colts went out and got Phillip rivers last year when Jacoby Brissett was already in the building. Because they didn't, they because they thought the team they had around him was better with Rivers on it, not with Brissett. They thought that the ceiling was higher with Rivers, with a 39-year-old Hall of Fame quarterback, instead of with 27-year-old Jacoby Brissett, who had just started all of last year with them, and who had just gone through a couple years, well, two years, I guess, in the program. Then at that point, so like, like to me, Brissett is. It's it's a eh move because could he come here and get you back to the playoffs? Yeah, probably. But are you going to go to the Super Bowl? Certainly not with him. Um, it, it just seems like a stagnant move. And with a guy who's a 28-year-old quarterback, you ask how much better can he get than he is right now? It's not a guy that's going to grow with the team. Certainly it's a guy the team likes and he seems to enjoy the team. It's a guy who's respected in the organization as the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. But it just it sets a ceiling for this team that will last for a couple years, I think. And I don't know if that's something that Chris Ballard wants to do. Well, keep in keep in mind the the the, and the bottom line is Philip Rivers was here this past year because they didn't they were not satisfied with what Brissett right. gave them. Uh, and I think even if if it hadn't been Philip Rivers, it probably would have been somebody else. Uh, so, and again, it all comes up that we're knocking Brissett. We're not, but I think he, like you said, what is he, 28? He's played four seasons, five seasons, whatever it is. You know, you know who he is. And to think he's going to be something different next year as a starter, he's going to be more aggressive, more of a risk taker based on what, you know, you, you know, it's, 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 it's the old, you are, they, they are who we thought they were. And I just I agree with you. The to me the only way Jacoby Brissett is the starter next year is if there's simply no other options. And that's about that's the epitome of a backhanded compliment. But I just everything you said with Jacoby, you have a ceiling, uh, and you know what that ceiling is. And I just think they want they showed us in the past they want something more. Yeah, and I mean. The other thing with Brissett is how much money, you know, 
at one hand, you kind of think, does it make sense to re-sign Brissett and then draft somebody so that player can develop if they're not ready to start right away? But if Brissett's going to cost you $20 million, we've said how many times the Colts have a lot of players to re-sign, so it might make more sense just to save the money, go with Eason or another free agent stop-a-gap quarterback, Andy Dalton comes to mind, you know, so that you can re-sign a few more of your players. I think we all come to the conclusion here that bringing back Brissett is probably not in the Colts' best interest and probably not going to happen. I, I I know Joe, you mentioned Eason there, but I, I I'm telling you, if if they start Eason game one next year, I will print out this rundown and I will eat it because it's just <laughs> it's just not gonna happen unless there's a slew of injuries in training camp. Um, and, and once again, I'll, I'll I'll come back to it. There there's there's a large group that would love to see that happen because the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in the world, and he has a cannon for an arm. And as Rivers said, he uh, Eason makes throws that Rivers says he himself could not, and so that that's that makes you salivate like, ooh, this guy could be super special, but and and that makes you want to see what he can do. Invest, like you said, you could do that. You could invest elsewhere. You could re-sign T.Y. Hilton, so you have a wide receiver one, and you could uh, you could go get a a, a left tackle. Uh, you could use your draft picks to add more weapons. Um, whatever it might be to, to fill up the spots around him. But, but if Chris Ballard says he's not ready to be a backup quarterback, then I I'm leaning in that direction that he's not ready to be a backup quarterback right now. Um, so, so once again, I'd like, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that's, a, that's a way that if you had a team, like if you were a first year head coach and a first year GM and you wanted to see what you had, then maybe you would do that. But this is not where the Colts are right now. There are a cult, there are GM and a coach who are several years into their contracts. There are GM and a coach who have built a program already, have a have a stellar offensive line, have a really good defense on the other side of the ball. So they're not looking to throw out a quarterback and see what they have. They want to know what they have going into a season. So that I mean that's that's why I'm personally leaning away from the from the Jacob Eason option. You know, the one thing I think we need and it's it's really impossible to, to determine. But in in my heart, I believe if Brissett didn't have the knee injury, whatever week it was, week seven or week, I guess it was week eight at Pittsburgh two years ago, they make the playoffs. They beat Pittsburgh that day. They beat Miami the next day. But but still, even when they were five and two, and we talked about it uh, and talked about it, is the offense wasn't good enough. That they were playing in a phone booth. He wasn't pushing the ball. So. I, I, I'm not going to print. I'm not going to print this out. Were you going to print print this out and eat it if it was Eason? Is that what it was? Yes, I'll print this out and eat it if it's Eason, okay. not Brissett. I, I, I'm not going to do that if it's Brissett no. because I, I think that's that's like Plan C, pl- uh, Plan E maybe. But uh, you know, I'd love to have Brissett back here as a backup, and then again have Eason as your third guy, and then hopefully he makes the the jump. But I'm not sure how you convince him to come back at your price, and your price is going to be as a backup with backup numbers at seven eight million dollars. You cannot pay Jacoby Brissett fifteen twenty million dollars. I don't see how you can sit in a room and have any agreement on that. But uh, you know, it, it's in the hard. It, it's easy for us to talk about this now, and it's great to talk about it. But they have no idea what their options are. Yeah other than the fact that Philip Rivers is not one of them. So uh, until you find out if Dan Campbell wants Matthew Stafford and, and will, will Houston be, you know, dumb and dumber, will they actually get rid of 
Deshaun Watson, and if they do, we need to put this to rest. And we've talked about this. They're not. They are not that moronic to keep him in the division. They just because Bill O'Brien's gone. Uh, so, so anyone who's got Deshaun Watson on their wish list, just take a big black marker and mark it off. It's not happening. I will eat this program. There you go. If that happens, so if, if that's a hill we want to die on. But what's so crazy is we're sitting here, in, in, you know, midway through January, and you simply don't know what your options are at the most important position. So here are what some of the options might be. Mike, you mentioned Deshaun Watson as an option who is not an option, and I completely agree with you there. I don't think we need to debate that all too much. Um, Matthew Stafford is one that is a name that has sprung up because the Lions have a new coach, a new GM. What was I, what I was referring to just a short time ago? They might want to cut away, see what they have, get in a new quarterback, and kind of ride or die with him for the next uh, couple years. And uh, Stafford have the heart, have the gut to go through another rebuild in Detroit. I don't know what number this would be, his ninth or 10th rebuild in Detroit. Who knows, over his uh, 13 years in the NFL or whatever it's been. Uh, but, uh, but Stafford, who's 32 years old, will be 33, I believe, by the season. Um, he's certainly, as, as I've said before on this podcast, Stafford's going to end his career likely as the NFL's most prolific passer of all time. He has, he has big numbers. And he still has six years, I would say, if he plays to the same age as Philip uh, Philip Rivers did, at least. So he has two years left on his contract right now. It is a team-friendly contract, too, these last two years. Stafford has moved money around in the past um, for the Lions franchise. I believe it's like 20 and $21 million on the next two years. So that's more like Jacoby Brissett money than it is the uh, than it is what's-his-name, Philip Rivers money. Um, so, so Stafford is, is not... Like I, I say it's a quote-unquote likely option. That's without knowing exactly what's going on in Detroit. But I, I think that's an option that uh, Joe, the Colts, uh, the Colts should be interested in if indeed uh, it, it comes up that the Lions are interested in giving him away. Now, of course, it comes down to price. But if you just look at the quarterback who Matt Stafford is, uh, I think he, he's a very capable quarterback who could step into the role and be a starter for the next five or six years. Well, and I think... I would say I think you guys would agree that he would be an upgrade over Philip Rivers at this point in their both respective careers. Um, that might be debatable and might not be. I would rather have Matthew Stafford, especially because you can build with him and have him for several years. Uh, and, you know, you gave up a first-round pick for Buckner last year. I would give up a first-round pick and some change for Stafford this year, especially with the Colts roster the way it is right now. Um, you're going to have to pay him. He's probably going to want a new contract, and I think he deserves around $30 million per year, but the Colts have the money currently to do something like that. So I think, um, you know, obviously it all comes down to if Detroit is ready to get rid of him or not, but if they are, I think the Colts should be calling. Two dynamics to think about is with a new coach in Detroit, do, do you want to start fresh? Do you want to cut ties? I understand that thinking. At the same time, do you want to be the head coach to come in here and start anew with a new quarterback right. and not know what you've got and maybe go through four and twelve and, and seven and nine before you really see the uh, the fruits of what you're doing? And with Stafford, he's 32. I've printed out all, all these guys because you just never know. And hmm. and, and they want the Colts want to address the long term future at quarterback. If you're not going to have Watson or Mahomes, or, or, or Josh Allen, beyond that, long-term is like four or five years. 
I mean, it just is. Uh, hey, if, if you can get the guy for the next 10 years, super. But I, I sort of think nowadays with the NFL, unless you can get that, that really, really long-term guy who the Colts thought they had a few years ago, if you can get a quarterback who's 32, can probably play for another, I don't know, five or six years, that's long-term. Now, one of the downsides to Stafford is he has been injured a little bit the last few years. What was it, a back injury last year? And He missed nine games with a back and, injury, yeah. And this or year, eight games, maybe. Yeah, eight, eight games. And he played this year with, a, with, with ribs or lung or whatever it was. So this is a guy that plays. Uh, and, I, and I kind of agree with, uh, with Joe that I think I've always looked at him as a younger Philip Rivers. Uh, and to where as far as the, the gaudy numbers, and he, he's had even less success in the playoffs than Rivers had, of course, he's playing for Detroit, you know, and, and that's a franchise that ran Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson out of the league. So if if Matthew Stafford was a realistic possibility, I would really dive into that and see if I could make it work. So if you're looking at like what that would cost, obviously, who knows, right? I, I have no idea. But Joe mentioned a first round pick. I think it would take more. And that would depend on what exactly the new GM and, and, and coach wanted. Like, if they really wanted a clean slate, they just might want picks. They might want, like, first round and a second round this year and a second round next year, something like that. Um, they, if they want somebody who's maybe a little bit more of an, quote-unquote, established young player, I mean, they're not going to get Darius Leonard by any stretch of the imagination, but they might ask for a first-round pick and Bobby Okariki a guy who can lead their defense for the next couple of years. So, like, th- those are things that you have to start thinking about. If you're Colts general manager Chris Ballard, if you're head coach Frank Reich, uh, just exactly what you'd be willing to give up for either a guy like Matthew Stafford or a guy like Carson Wentz, who's another possible uh, trade bait out there. We, we've talked about him a little bit. Mike, you've already said he looks broken. I will add that Darius Butler, former Colt cornerback who now has his man-to-man podcast, does a really great job. I would strongly suggest listening to Darius Butler if you want to learn about football. Um, in spite of him being a UConn grad, he actually knows a thing or two. So uh, Darius is my boy. But anyway, uh, he he said that out of all the options, he thinks Wentz would be the best option. Um, So you might think that he's broken right now, and he has absolutely looked broken at times. But it's hard to to sneak one past players. And Darius Butler is a very thoughtful, very reasoned player. And if he says Carson Wentz at least has the potential – to be at that level again, I don't think you can say immediately right now, not, not that you did, Mike, that um, I don't think that Wentz is broken beyond repair. And, and, a reunite, and reuniting him with the right head coach and offensive coordinator and quarterback coach uh, would, would be the best way to, quote-unquote, resurrect his career. It's just a matter of if the Colts think that's possible. His contract, which is a ludicrous contract, so do I, do I think it's possible that Wentz comes to the Colts? Yes. Do I think it's likely? No, because that contract is awful. And uh, what like what I've said, what I think the Eagles will want in return would be more than Stafford. Wentz is only 28 years old. He'd be the quarterback for 10 years for sure. If that's what you'd want him to be if you're trading for him. So, um, so, so Mike, what Wentz is another possibility, but perhaps one that's uh, a little bit more unlikely, uh, at least in, at least in my opinion, who knows? I think a lot more unlikely because I, from reading things out of Philly, it seemed like with Laurie, the owner, it came down to Peterson or Wentz. It, it seemed like that you know they they came to the decision that, that they could not coexist anymore, 
Right. And, and, and of course, he went with a quarterback because he still got, was it $120 million guaranteed or whatever it is? It's, it's crazy. And to get rid of him this year, it, the dead money is, is just incredible. Uh, what, what the kind of a hit they would take. So I, I kind of got the impression that once they got rid of Peterson, that set, that sort of told me that Wentz was staying. But, uh, you know, it, we're still early in the – we're not really not into the offseason yet. Uh, as much as I'm looking at uh, at Houston and what those idiots do down there, I'm really I'm really curious what happens with uh, with Wentz and Philly. Joe, um, I, I I almost like I, I was really nervous over the past week. I'll be completely honest, because growing up in Philly, I'm of course an Eagles fan, and it was it was it was looking as if for a while now <laughs> that Josh McDaniels was number one on their coaching radar. And when this, when this tweet came from Schefter, I let out a huge sigh of relief because I did not want to give up being an Eagles fan. If Josh McDaniels came and was quarterback for the team that I grew up cheering for. So thank heavens it's Sirianni. It's not McDaniels, but, but, but anyway, all that aside, who knows, maybe Wentz will be uh, Sirianni's quarterback if he thinks he can fix him with Jalen hurts. But um, I, I, I don't think you're too, too sold on Carson Wentz to, to the Colts either. If, if, if I remember, uh, from, from our discussions, I'm really not. And for all the reasons yeah. you guys just said, they got rid of Peterson. I, I, they're paying him so much money. He had a bad year, but I mean, if you go back to weeks, maybe one through five, he was kind of carrying a team with no weapons. He was put forth a lot of gutsy performances, um, so I still think the team respects Carson Wentz. So I don't think there's a high probability, maybe higher than Deshaun Watson being traded to the Colts. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's a high probability of that. There are a couple younger quarterbacks that I do think might be available via trade. And those what, probably what, are. What, go ahead, Mike. What, go ahead. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah. But the, the the Jets are number two in the process, and people have them taking uh, a quarterback. It's not Fields. Who, who my friend? Who, who's the second quarterback? I, I, I blame Zach Wilson. Right now. Yeah, Zach Wilson, and if the Jets take if the Jets take Zach Wilson, what are you doing, Sam Darnold? Uh, and if you're the Colts, uh, does he pique your interest? He's like 13 and 25 as a starter. How do you evaluate that as opposed to what he's had to work with? We talk about dysfunctional franchises, and the Jets are near the top. It's either them or Jacksonville. So, you know, is would is Sam Darnold someone who would pique your interest? I say yes. I mean, you think about all the players who uh, their careers kind of peak after getting out from under Adam Gase. Ryan Tannehill comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, Kenyon Drake comes to mind. Devontae Parker comes to mind. So, and Mike, you, you said it. If they take a quarterback, number two overall, or at least are expected to, you could probably get Sam Darnold for maybe a third-round pick, maybe a fourth-round pick. I mean, that's about what the Cardinals got for Josh Rosen a couple years ago when they took Kyler Murray just one year after taking Rosen. So I think Sam Darnold's, uh, in, he's going to be cheap too. He's still on his rookie contract. So he's not going to count a lot against the cap. He probably won't cost you as much uh, as a Stafford or someone like that. And he's still a guy with a lot of talent. Third overall pick just in 2018. The third overall, uh, the third overall pick in 2020, below, 2021 belongs to the Miami Dolphins. Who uh, who just drafted Tua Tungavailoa last year? So are they going to move on? Maybe you can be interested in getting Tua. But uh, I, from my perspective, guys, I don't think that Miami's going to get rid of Tua unless they get Deshaun Watson in return. I've heard some of those tales, but I, I would find it hard to believe that Miami just moves on so quickly from Tua 
after a rookie season where you don't have an offseason. He comes in, he does okay, but really does, did struggle down the stretch quite a bit. Um, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Miami would move on so quickly from Tua, even though, Joe, you do put it in this rundown, so we should talk about it at least a little bit since he has come up in some trade rumors. If Tua is the starting quarterback for the Colts next year, Joe, I, w- I would be really surprised. I'd be surprised, but, you know, we've seen recently teams move on from quarterbacks quite quickly, and I've heard some that might just be rumors, but I've read some reports that a lot of the players down in Miami aren't exactly impressed with Tua. Um, If they think he's just an average quarterback and they fall in love with someone in this draft, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they move on, and then it's another situation similar to Sam Darnold of, well, you just depreciated his value. Colts may be able to slide in and get him for a third-round pick. And he's a guy who I still believe has a lot of talent. So I thought he was worth throwing in the rundown here. Well, that, that's not moving on from him. That's just, I mean, that's just erasing him from your from your franchise mm-hmm. after after a season. So, uh, cause, yeah, because what I saw was, you know, the, whoever threw it out there about trading Watson uh, for Tua and then fattening it up uh, for Houston. But uh, that, that's what's – anytime you've got an offseason where quarterbacks – are the issue we had this last year with all those quarterbacks after here we are again it just show, it just shows you that uh this is a quarterback driven lead whether you've got one and if you don't have one you're still of interest so uh it, it's just really intriguing to think of all the possibilities over the next three or four months here are some of the draft options the colts have they would have to trade up to get uh trevor lawrence which is not going to happen or Ohio State's Justin Fields, BYU's Zach Wilson, North Dakota State's Trey Lance. Those are the four quarterbacks that uh, Mike mentioned going in the top eight of uh, whatever draft, uh, uh, mock draft that he saw. I don't even have to see the draft. I know those are the four quarterbacks up there. But uh, the Colts Correct. pick a tw- 21st overall. Uh, quarterbacks who might be available there are Alabama's Mac Jones, who is a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Florida's Kyle Trask. Trask was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, wasn't he? He was the uh, – I think he was. I believe so. Um, I yeah, I think he was. I, I, I just knew that both Jones and Devontae Smith just were light years really ahead of uh, other people. But in, 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 that, in that mock draft I looked at, it was from The Athletic, I believe it had uh, Mac Fields going to Pittsburgh at 24, I think it was. Okay. And it, I, we, he, he's, when I watched him play, I, I just I didn't see special. I saw a guy throw on seven on seven because he had three Heisman Trophy skill players around him. Uh, so I, he scares me a little bit because I don't know how good he is when you're in a system that's just got all-world players at receiver and running back. Mm-hmm. Another possibility is the free agent class of 2021. We don't have to get too much into this because I know we're running low on time. We do want to get to Mike's Pro Football Hall of Fame um, stuff coming up. But um, some potential free agents in this class, uh, Cowboys, Dak Prescott, uh, Saints, Jameis Winston, the Patriots, Cam Newton, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Dolphins, who's 38 years old, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky uh, of the Bears, Andy Dalton of the Cowboys, he's 33 years old, if you're curious about Dalton, Tyrod Taylor of the Chargers, uh, age 31, as they're obviously moving on to Herbert full-time. But, um, Joe, any, anyone from that, cl- from that group really stand out to you as, as intriguing? Not really. I mean, obviously Dak Prescott, but I doubt the Cowboys are going to let him loose. Um, yeah. If Dak Prescott's available, go after him as hard as you would go after Watson or Stafford, maybe even more than Stafford, but I don't think he's going to be available. 
No one else really intrigues me here. If I had to rank them, probably Cam Newton first. I think the Saints are going to keep Winston with Breeze likely calling it a career. So between Cam and like Fitzpatrick, Trubisky, Dalton, I would take Cam. I think he's has the most talent, and he did not have a lot to work with in New England this past year. But I don't think any of those guys are an upgrade over what Phillip Rivers gave the Colts in 2020. So none of these guys really do a whole lot for me. Yeah, Mike, I think that that's the the standard, right? Are, are any of these guys better than Philip Rivers this past year? I would almost say at another level. Are, are any of these guys an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, that too. Uh, and he Brissett at least gives you a little bit of what is he? What's Jacoby? Twenty eight? I, I haven't got this stuff. Twenty eight? Yes, twenty eight. So, you know, and I'm not saying he's a long term answer, but but all those guys you mentioned aren't either. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and while he's well, he's a great story. He's a tease. He, he 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 has those two or three great games, and then he throws three picks. Uh, but no, I think this is really a bad free agent group. I really do. If you think you're going free agent wise, I stick with Brissett. If if you can make the money work, I will always be intrigued by Jameis Winston. I just will because I saw him win a national championship at Florida State, and but he, uh, but he won't. But he's not going to be out there. Exactly, and I don't think he will. Right. I don't think he will. But anyway, Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Fifteen modern era finalists include the Colts, Peyton Manning, and Reggie Wayne. And on Tuesday, our very own Mike Chappell gave presentations to the selection committee as to why each of them should be Hall of Famers. We'll do this before we wrap things up on this Colts Blue Zone podcast. By the way, you can follow us at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter for updates and uh, things like uh, maybe a one or two Zoom videos of Mike in front of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. Uh, but nevertheless, Mike, uh, what can you tell us about what you told that committee about why first Peyton Manning and then Reggie Wayne should be Pro Football Hall of Famers? Well, just as background, we, we're allowed five or six minutes for each presentation. There's 15 guys, well, there are 18 with, with the seniors and the coaches. When it came time for Peyton, it took me, I believe, seven seconds. It was... Peyton Manning end of discussion, and that was it. And that was it. Uh, it to me, it was one of those. If if you need to say more than Peyton Manning, you know what have you been doing for the last twenty years, and and why are you in the in this room? Uh, and what I can tell you is, everybody saw the list of fifteen. The way it works is we then we voted from the fifteen to ten, and then from the ten we voted our own personal five. So I know who the ten guys are. The final ten. But we're sworn to secrecy, secrecy, so I can't say who it was. Although I'm telling, I'll tell you, I, I, I can bet my mortgage and your mortgage that Peyton Manning will be a Hall of Famer this year. There you go. Beyond, beyond that, I can't. Uh, with Reggie, it was it was the the normal presentation. There was a good given give and take. And with Reggie, it's a case of it's it was Reggie and and Tory Holt, and then we had Calvin Johnson as a first as a first time eligible player and. And you're you're not, you're not comparing apples and oranges, but it's not quite receiver and receiver because Calvin Johnson was that guy who played. I think it was nine years. Reggie played fourteen, and and Holt played like eleven. Reggie's tenth all time in catches. Calvin Johnson's forty seventh. He's had seven hundred thirty catches, but he's got those two or three years that were just off the charts. Remember, he came within like 30 yards of 2,000 yards that one year. It was in 2012, I think it was. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. I have an idea who the final five will be. Uh, and and, and 
it's just tough sledding when you've got the Mannings and the Woodsons and Calvin Johnsons taking up spots if they get in. But uh, it's a very interesting process. We talked for about nine hours on Zoom. So uh, uh, people, the, the idea is the Hall of Fame wants to wait, try to keep this under wraps for two more weeks for Super Bowl weekend. Uh, good luck with that. Hmm. Because as, as somebody said, it's, it's only a secret if one person knows it. Two people know it. It's not, you know, it'll, it'll get out. So we'll see where it goes. But uh, all I can tell you for sure is Peyton will be in a gold jacket. And beyond that, you got to wait and see. Yeah, you, you're not going to get anything from our very own Mike Chapel. It's like squeezing water from a rock. <laughs> He's not going to leak anything. No, sir. No, sir. Not, so, not, not even if you promise not to tell anybody, can I tell you? But, but the thing is, since you said you would bet your mortgage, it's usually only my money that well, you bet. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. That, that's so, how sure I am. Exactly. <laughs> so like i said you can follow mike on twitter at mchapel 51 follow his insights as we lead up to that final hall of fame vote um, you can follow me at dave g underscore sports follow joe hopkins at roto street joe and follow us as a group at colts blue zone as well we do thank you for listening you can download subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week and we do plan to keep going throughout the nfl offseason as there is no true offseason in the nfl as you've heard that said many times before i'm sure there will certainly be Colts news coming here, there, and everywhere in the days, weeks, and months to come. I guess the next one that immediately, like I said, got put on our radar as we tape this podcast, the uh, Colts are going to need an offensive coordinator now, too. So add that to the long list of holes that are going to have to be filled by this franchise before next season begins. So we do thank you for listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next time. 